Ministry, one, oh, one. What's up, everybody, and welcome to Gaming History 101, the Retro Video Games Podcast. I am one of your hosts. My name is Fred Rojas, and holy shit, who is that over in the corner? Is that my partner in crime who's been gone? Uh, Mr. Jam, welcome back to the show. It, 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> How you doing, sir? I'm doing very good, Fred. It's uh, it's it's fantastic to be back um, after my what feels like a long time, really. Oh, you should have been on this like end. A year. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, welcome back. It's great to have you back. Uh, glad to have you. Um, how was everything? How how did all how did it all go? Yeah. Well, well, you know, there's there's been some there's been some fun times, there's been some stressful times, and there's been some well, just downright strange times, really. But yeah, we're we're getting there. In fact, I mean, I've, I've mentioned before already that I'm not really completely fully moved in because that just everything is just in boxes. I was um, uh, from one of our lovely listeners uh, was asking because I, I got a copy of uh, Mischief Makers, Fred, on N64, the car only copy. I managed to find that, that in the wild. Yeah. And, um, and they um and they they sort of said oh you need well, you need to brew that up and play it it's like yeah but my N sixty four is in a box somewhere that is just this big pile in a spare room still <laughs> so I'll get to it one day <laughs> no but yeah I, had... <laughs> I totally get that I've uh, I actually lost an N sixty four the other day <clears throat> oh really. <laughs> Yeah, you've been gone, but I've been doing these uh, Resident Evil live streams and um, watching. Yeah. Oh, cool. Uh, well, one of my N64s is RGB modded, um, yes. but it can have adverse effects with tra- with traditional cables, and so I wanted to use my traditional um, N64, uh, and I, I I I was not able to locate it or the uh, S video cable. I eventually did, and and those live streams are captured from that, but. Uh, but yeah, um, so I know what it's like to lose stuff even when you're not moving. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so, well, it's great to have you back. Welcome back. And um, and you're coming back at a great time because we've got, uh, we've got a, a jam-heavy uh, series of episodes coming up here. Um, as, you, as you made us promise when you return, we are going to do Game Club... Um, Story of Thor, as you better know it, but we in the in the West, or sorry, not in the West, in the U.S., known as Beyond right. Oasis, which I wonder if we couldn't do it because Japan knows it as Story of Thor as well. Uh, I wonder yeah, if that's yeah. not a Marvel Comics thing. I wonder. I, I, it's, it, but it's so strange, isn't it? I do now. What I'm going to do is I am going to dig out. There was an article that I've got in one of my retro gamer magazines that does talk about this, I believe, and I'll, I'll find it when we before we do that um, that game club, nice. <laughs> and, uh, which might shed some light on that. But it just seems so strange, doesn't it? Like that. What? But we have um, Marvel comics here in Europe, so <laughs> why do they still call yeah, it for? <laughs> licensing laws can be different but i don't know for sure uh, again famously because of the punk um punk slash metal band biohazard 
we know Resident Evil as Resident Evil in both Europe and America because Biohazard has trademarks in both areas. Perhaps if Marvel didn't, although I find that very hard to believe, but if Marvel didn't, um, I could see that. But I, I guess we'll find out. But to answer that question, you're probably listening to this episode on or after the 19th. Um, those of you in the live chat, I'm there with you on all games uh, on the 18th. Um, and we're going to be doing it next week. So Story of Thor, uh, get through it. It uh, doesn't take too long. Uh, Beyond Oasis, it's on your all your Genesis collections. It's on your Sonic's Ultimate Genesis collection. It's on your Sonic's Ultimate Mega Drive collection. It's on Steam for two bucks. It's very easy to find. Um, I actually have a cart of it. So I'll be playing the original Genesis cart copy. So... Mm. That'll be interesting. But uh, from what you tell me, Jim, it doesn't take too long. I'm past, I just passed the first temple. So I'm not yeah, very deep yeah. into the game, I don't believe. But uh, but but I will be churning it's, through it um, this week. Yeah, I'm trying to... Yeah, I'm going to be starting it tomorrow, I think. And um... Oh, no, I think you cut out. Because yeah, it's uh, it definitely... Oh, sorry, sorry. Um, yeah, I don't want to spoil too much of it uh, for you. But there's... Um... I guess you could say there's kind of like, uh, I'll say sort of six core dungeons, but there is a little bit more. So you can, you can explore and you can do a bit of extra stuff if you want to, but uh, but it's definitely not like say a link, so it links the past or anything like that. It's not going to take you very long. (laughs) Gotcha. Well, I will be doing that. And actually I, uh, I, I might get into it a little bit in this episode, but, um, but I, uh, I now have a way to capture my RGB SCART stuff. Uh, it's not an upscaler. Ooh. I'm not using a frame meister. It's, it captures in true 240p and I can broadcast it and everything and capture in it. So I might be live streaming my, my SCART stuff because I can send it into a SCART switch box and send one out to this capture device and one out to the TV um, and uh, play in gorgeous RGB while also broadcasting in RGB. Now, again, it doesn't upscale it, so uh, some who blow it up to full screen may notice a little bit of blurring because, well, it's 240 frames but uh, or lines of resolution, but uh, it looks gorgeous and it's razor sharp. Um, and for future endeavors, which we'll be talking about soon, uh, Jam, it takes amazing screenshots. It really mm. does. Uh, so, um, so, yeah, it's cool stuff, but... Uh, Anyway, uh, but this week we are talking about um, some people had wrote in, written in suggestions and one of the big ones was um, getting into retro gaming. So like some mm. people are enthusiasts. We all always talk about retro gaming and we've chatted a little bit about this or that or technologies or hacking or whatnot. But what if you're just you are jam, you are in your 30s and you grew up with a Nintendo or a ZX Spectrum or a, a Mega Drive? And you just want to start playing it. Um, and, uh, and what do you do? And where do you look? And how do you know if you're getting a good deal? And where's the price guide for this stuff? And how the hell do you hook it up? Because uh, yep. I'm probably not alone here, Jam. But the, the, the last thing you want to do is grab yourself a composite cable in either region, yours or mine, and hook the red, white, mm. and yellows up to your HDTV. You will not have... You'll have an okay experience, but you will not get yeah. what you remember. <laughs> it depends what you get. It depends what console you're doing, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. So so we're going to kind of delve into that in kind of a conversational thing. Um, I, I kind of broke it up, Jam, into uh, three three things. So the first thing we're going to talk about is hardware. 
Where yep. do you get your consoles? What kind of cables are good? What can you do if you want to make things look better or worse? And what kind of money can you look to spend? And of course, since Jam is over in Europe and I'm over in America, I'll be representing the NTSC or Japanese American uh, Broadcast Standard. And Jam will be handling PAL or the Europe <laughs> and Australia Standard. So... Um, I oh, think I didn't know we were the same as Australia. That's interesting. You are. <laughs> well, and, less, and again, Cy One, our, our native-born uh, Australian <laughs> listener um, that, 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 that lives next door to Sparky because there's only like two people in all of Australia. Um, they, can, they might tell you that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's alterations to the broadcast standard, but overall, yeah. and they are a different region when DVDs are involved. Uh, I think you guys are two, they're four, or you're four, they're two. Um, but either way... Uh, I think that... Yeah, therefore. Okay, yeah, yeah. Either way, um, pretty much uh, Australia is PAL. So, uh, so there you go. So we'll, we'll kind of talk about that a little bit. I don't think this will get too technical, and this will be a little more conversational. So. <clears throat> mm-hmm. so the number one question I always get asked when talking about retro gaming stuff is... Uh, so yeah, I want to hook it up. I have an HD TV. Should I do? Uh, you know, how do I do it? Do I just hook up the red, white, and yellows? And why does it look like garbage when I do? <laughs> so let's just get this out for the record. Jam, do you find that when you hook up uh, most retro consoles, let's say before PlayStation Two era, so your your PlayStation Ones, your Saturns, your uh, I'll even say possibly Dreamcast, but Dreamcast might actually look okay on an HD TV. Um, but anything before that, your Mega Drives, your mm. Super NES, your PlayStation One, your NES, your Master System, all that stuff, and then of course your microcomputers. Um, God, imagine that on the HD TV. There are people who do it. Um, what What is oh, yeah, your I thoughts? There, I bet there is. Yeah. What is your thoughts on on that kind of an experience? What did What did you see? What did you think? Uh well, I don't I don't really do it personally. I oh sorry. Okay. No no you're um, good you're good. I, I don't I don't. Okay yeah no, I I don't I don't um I don't really do the but well, I think the the games the consoles I use with my HD TV and onwards is probably a PS One maybe on a good day and then and then onwards from there like PS One PS Two but I I actually have a Dreamcast but I play that on CRT still um when I hook mm-hmm. it up because uh, I still. Um, AV cables for that as well, but uh, yeah, I mean Master System, which is probably my one of my sort of more loved retro consoles at the moment these days. Um, I'm current, well, I'm trying to currently trying to find the damn thing so I can play Wonder Boy again, but <laughs> so for, <laughs> in preparation for a game coming out. But um, that, yeah, that does not look good um, on HD, particularly um, that system. I mean, I can't. I'll be I'll be honest. I can't speak a lot to say uh, PAL NES. Um, because at least you know not not the NES Mini because obviously that has, that does have HD H, HD compatibility. But um, right. if you put a master system on a HD TV, basically the point I'm getting to is you do get this kind of colors just kind of look horrific. <laughs> really, they all kind of blur together, and it it just it's a, it, 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 I think I described it to a friend saying it was like almost like opening like the covenant. It just doesn't seem right. There's <laughs> something wrong with it. So, um, but yes, yeah. um, but I've, I, you can do it. It's not. It is possible, but it's it's a lot easier if you connect it by the AV cables. Um, I don't even do one system by SCART really, or um, or even RGB actually. I just do it through the analog output. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
which is i think the easiest way and i um for my i actually I, well, just for for consistency I, I use i only have a mile system model two actually i have i've got i have uh, a few of them actually because i've got i've got now, the is one that the one alex. that has alex kid or snake when you boot it up ah no i have i have one that has alex kid and i have one with sonic the hedgehog because i'm special oh, right. yeah yeah <laughs> I, I forget if we got the sonic one in america i have the original one where i think you play snake and again, I have the American. I believe you. I believe I have seen people on YouTube in America that have, got, but I don't know if they've just taken it from Europe or not. But it, so it, they are around over there, but they are quite uncommon. Because I know Sonic for you on the Mars system was quite uncommon over there. Yeah, um, we have Model Twos, and I think they all have Alex yeah. Kid at least for the American released ones. And again, you can import them. The problem is, is that. Uh, uh, back in the cartridge days, uh, PAL, uh, which is the European standard, is yeah, is yeah. output through the console, and uh, NTSC is output through the console. So uh, I can put a uh, a European game into my American console, and it will output in American um, resolution. Whereas uh, the console, that's going to be a little harder. Everything's going to output, regardless of what cart I put into it. It's going to output to the PAL standard, uh, which is getting mm. easier to adjust for. Um, but uh, yeah, but yeah. it's, yeah. So, um, well, real quick, and I apologize for people who hear a little bit of cutting out. We are dealing with um, some internet issues. Uh, um, uh, I, I, I'm guessing it might be you, Jam, but uh, it's okay. I, I know Europe, uh, you know, Andy has, uh, has, has run into some recent problems with the internet for us too. And on top of that, it mm. is Saturday night, which is a busy time, but, uh, I think things will, <laughs> things will smooth out. It's not cutting out too bad. Um, well, and so real quick from a tech standpoint, the reason for that, and there is also a noticeable lag. Now, Jam, have you ever tried to play like a very time intensive game? Uh, and notice the lag is too much for you, such as like a hardcore platformer on HD. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. So um, I mean, great examples of we go like well, there's quite. <laughs> we're talking about the old eight bit generation here, with uh, where platformers are all the rage. <laughs> but, right. So. Um, uh, well, funny enough, actually, um, like Wonder Boy: The Dragon's Trap, which isn't, I wouldn't say it's the most hectic platformer but it, it you certainly you can go quickly in it if you want to i mean if you're familiar with the game you can sort of dare i use the term speed run <laughs> through, the, through the game <laughs> um, but but yeah you will kind of come across some of that sort of lag just there i guess probably a better example of a game might well dare i even say sonic really would be a good example because that oh, certainly yeah. has its speedy moments in it um the, well, a lot most of those sonic games are pretty good for, um are pretty good with speed in terms of, like so i've got to mention it because people keep saying to me why don't you mention these is these sonic chaos games which are quite beloved on the master system yeah i do the game dig those games yeah i played i they only came out on game gear here but because of my flash cart i captured and did some yeah, videos you, you can get it yeah yeah. they're buried the, um but yeah you can you can play uh I, I was able to play the master system versions on my on my console and uh the chaos games are actually really good i have chaos one but um chaos two i believe is ridiculously rare even over here because again it was actually more common on game gear um mm -hmm. to get it which is so surprising i need to because i've got to go i've got to go back and look into that actually because I, I think i know why but it was just it's just interesting but yeah 
And well, and so what people need to know is the reason why this looks the way it does and the reason it does that is because your HDTV does a couple of things. Um, old school CRT TVs are all interlaced. Uh, they, I don't know if they need to be interlaced, but I think they do need to be interlaced, which what that means is they technically do work at 60 frames a second, but they only the, the way their timing works, their sync, they only show half of the screen at any one time so it alternates even lines odd lines back and forth 60 times a second in europe that's 25 and 50 they have 50 frames a second um and so it's interlaced and so what happens is uh with most retro consoles they do what's called double strike they uh, have the resolution so the resolution is not 480 lines of resolution or in europe it's 576 they go half that and it's called low definition and you've probably heard it referred to sometimes as 240p um and what that does is it allows a kind of progressive scan where they redraw the lines every frame, which is what modern HDTVs do, whether you're in 40, 480p, 720p, or 1080p, um, or even higher. Um, and so what they did was they basically kept all of the, I don't remember which one it is, I think they kept all of the odd lines black, and they just consistently gave the even lines so every time it would refresh it would only refresh the even lines um and it's called double striking and so you get 60 frames a second on a crt because it's basically having the resolution it's it's not filling in half of the lines and that's where you get scan lines from now when you move over to an hd tv they can't do interlaced it's not possible um and if you ever want to know if you're looking at an interlaced signal, like sometimes if you have an old school DVD player, uh, or, well, no, because even the TVs now get rid of it. But it's this idea that there's like blurring lines. It, sometimes people call it combing because it looks like two combs coming together. Um, well, your TV deinterlaces it. It makes it a progressive signal. And deinterlacing has different methods, but now you take into account that double strike thing. And so what's going on is your TV is getting nothing but even lines and black, and it doesn't know how to properly blend those together. Um, so what you get is this weird smeary thing where it's taking kind of half of the lines of resolution and just blending it with... Um, with a, a black field underneath and it's not deinterlacing very well. Um, but that takes a lot of processing power. And then the second thing is that the resolution is not actually being scaled up. Well, it is being scaled up, but it's by a terrible scaler. It's the same concept as you watching a 480p resolution movie on YouTube and then blowing it up to full screen on your 1080p or 4k tv it just it just stretches well it doesn't even stretch it it just it just blows up the pixels it magnifies them so they look blurrier so that's why you get the effects you get um and then of course the 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 lag that's why uh, light guns don't work because light guns work within a window of three to five frames and you've got a lag of more like uh probably you know 60 plus frames so that's why light guns don't work on uh, modern HD TVs, no matter how fast they are, even modern monitors. Um, uh, and there are other practical reasons, which we won't get into. Um, but yeah, for all intents and purposes, unless you're passing it through a scaler, which has its own problems, a scaler will basically take the signal and turn it into something your HD TV likes before it receives it, uh, through HDMI usually, um, you're better off using a CRT. 
um, which is, stands for cathode ray tube. It's the old tube TVs, the big heavy motherfuckers. <laughs> so, uh, and Jam, is this your preferred method to play most retro consoles? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. For sort of basically for Dreamcast and um, and then anything that's before the PlayStation One, I'd say. All right, cool. Um, well, uh, so so yeah, if you want to get into retro gaming, I would basically say that for most of your consoles predating HDTVs, which is um, pretty much PlayStation Two, uh, GameCube, and uh, Xbox. Um, you probably would prefer to do a CRT, or we'll get into it a little later, uh, scalers. Um, scalers are not cheap, though, so mm. we'll just say right off the bat, you're probably better off grabbing a $20, $30 CRT. The other thing is it adds the scan lines in, so it's nostalgic, right? Yay. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you get the scan lines. It looks the way you remember it. Everything just hooks up. You don't even need that fancy of a cable. But as we'll talk about, the better the cables you use and the type of cable you use, the better your picture can look, even on a CRT. And of course, you can use light guns, which is always good. So, um, mm. so yeah, for the most part, your most common way to hook up a console, although it is also pretty much your lowest quality is composite cables. That's your, your, your yellow video signal with a stereo red and white um, sound channel. Uh, those were around in the NES days uh, and everything kind of after that. Um, before that, you'd have your coaxial screw-on connections. And when people are asking me a good way to get those, uh, I usually say you can either buy a converter box, which are pretty quick and cheap, um, or the better method is uh, if you have a VCR sitting around, which I know lots of people don't anymore, uh, you can do that as well. Uh, cable boxes <laughs> seem to be able to do it too. But Jam, is composite video the most common way in Europe as well to hook up these consoles? Oh no, I think I've lost you. Jam? Hello? <laughs> okay. Hello. Sorry, we're having some real connection issues. Uh, let's ride with it a little longer, and then we'll talk. Uh, but um, yeah, it, okay. Is uh, is composite video the most common way to uh, for people to hook up their consoles in Europe, or is the is there a more common way? Can you not hear me? Oh, no. I think I lost. Then, sorry. Oh no no, are are we doing okay? I can hear you now, absolutely. Okay, okay. Well then, let's let's. Uh, all right. Um, so, uh, are composite cables the easiest way? The most common? Sorry, not the easiest. The, yeah, the easiest or most common way for people to hook up consoles to a CRT in Europe, or is there a more common uh, plug type? Well, we have, um, depending on the using, I mean, I mean, if you're talking the sort of the really, really old CRTs, you're going to be doing it through AV, which would be the main, main route with the uh, connection from retro to CRT. However, a lot of the, not too long after that, a lot of uh, CRTs over here have SCART connection. Right. And we'll get into SCART because SCART's kind of your jack of all trades. Um, so when you say mm -hmm. AV, you're talking the composites, yep. the yellow, white, and red. Sorry. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Oh no no no! Not the composite. No, no, the AV. I'm talking just. It's just an aerial connection. 
basically. It, um, like a screw-on connection? connection not, not that old. Not old. It's just simply okay. a plug, basically, that where you would usually plug in the, the aerial, um, you know, the old antenna, which would use mm-hmm. to hold a really odd angle in the sky to try and get the best reception of BBC2 back over here. <laughs> but... Um, so yeah, you can, you can connect it directly to the area. It's basically analog, essentially. It's an analog sort of, um, okay. setting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's the, it's the screw on connection. Um, mm. right. Well, it's, or is, it's, it's or is yours a push on? Yeah, yeah. Is it a push on over it's in a, Europe? It's, is it's that a what push it is? on. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. We really have screw on. Yeah. We screwed them on in America, but it was yeah, the yeah, same concept. <laughs> it's basically a radio frequency passing through yeah. these connections. Um, yeah, that's right. So in in the modern day, do you notice a lot of noise like radio waves passing through it? It was very different world in the eighties when these came out. You could get away with something like that, and everything had shielding. But nowadays, uh, with cell phones and everything, I notice a lot of interference when I hook up through those connections. Um, do you see the same on your I, end? I don't actually. Wow, no, I don't. I don't have a lot of interference. Yeah. If anything, it's got a little bit better. <laughs> See, that's that's the Europe difference. Everything's made of stone and brick. All ours are all artificial plastic and shit that make up our houses. So um, who knows? But uh, yeah, there's a at least in in Kansas City, there's a lot of interference going through my house. Mm. Be it um, uh, Wi-Fi connections, cell phone connections. Hell, my washer I think causes interference. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> but um, everything's all connected. So yeah, so that but that was you're right. That was the catch-all connection type up to um got uh, the the generation that started not doing that was the PlayStation generation. PlayStation Saturn and Nintendo 64 came with the uh the composites, the red, white and yellows um out of the box. Uh at least they were in our country and if you wanted the screw-on connection or the push-on connection, you could get it, but you had to you had to go out and buy the plug separate. Um Mm. And uh, I remember, I remember getting composite and thinking it was like the end all be all. Um, but that's actually a, a rough one <laughs> because the entire video signal is compacted into this very small uh, RCA plug type. Uh, it's a it's a push in. You know, again, the red, white, and yellows. You guys have those, right? You guys have composite video over there. Yeah, yeah, we do. Um, it's funny actually because when I just wanted to mention as well, um, we we didn't use the red a lot. Fred, um, there's a lot of the CRTs over here. They had the white and the yellow at the front only. Ah, that's all you had. Yeah, and actually, so for, it's kind of like a mono sound, I guess. Yeah, it is mono, and and you know what? Most games, video games, even on these consoles, even later in time on like the N64 when they supported, you know, a kind of. Uh, Pro Logic surround sound or stereo surround, they didn't really take advantage of it. They just sent the same thing through both channels. So you're pretty safe on TVs like that, where all you do is just hook up the white part. And for the most part, unless you're playing a specific game, uh, it'll it'll be fine. Uh, the reverse is not true, though. If you have a console like the NES, the NES composite out on the original NES, uh, the 001 model in both Europe and America, is a... Uh, like you said, a mono out. So it's a yellow coax or sorry, yellow RCA with a white mono out. 
you do want to get an adapter for that. It's just a fork adapter where it hooks um, one plug into that white and it has two female plugs on the other side for you to hook up the red and whites so that you can hook those back into the TV. The reason for that is if you do that on a TV that does want the red and whites and the device doesn't, you'll only get sound out of left speaker and it's kind of annoying. <laughs> so, but... Um, but then for us, the next step up is S-Video. Is that correct for you too, from a video perspective? Uh, I think, yep, I think that would be right. Yep, S-Video. And those go back a little ways. Uh, S-Video is in consoles as early as the uh, SNES. The SNES does S-Video, although the Genesis famously does not. It skips over S-Video. Um, there are mm -hmm. mods you can get where somebody will put an S-Video plug in there, but at that point... You know, the the it, the Genesis specifically Mega Drive does RGB out native. So even if you're in America and definitely if you're in Europe, you'll probably just use the RGB instead of modding your console for S-Video. Um, but S-Video is pretty common. And in many ways, it, it looks very good. It, it separates chromiance uh, and lumiance um, into two different prongs. And uh, it, it, it's weird. It's a rounded cable. It's got like a big fat, plastic piece at the top and then like four small pins and jam i don't yep. know about you but it's very it's it's very common to see on both consoles uh that if you buy a used s video plug or a tv with an s video port from the sd tv days to see that thing's been through some shit it's been beaten up oh, yeah. maybe some pins <laughs> are broken off or broken completely it's possible you'll find s video connections on used crts that don't even work anymore because somebody's broken off a pin in them or something it's a very finicky yeah, plug yeah. it's very easy to bend <laughs> oh yeah 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 but there, there is um, I, I could be wrong, but some of those S videos, they, they didn't all always have lots of prongs in them. Some of them were only like four pins, weren't they? Some it is just like four. Small. Yeah, it is just four oh, for just, S video. Oh, yeah, yeah. You guys are used to oh. a lot of pins. We're about to come to Scarf, <laughs> which is which is Jam's neck of the woods, and I'll let him talk about everywhere. Yeah, twenty twenty <laughs> pins. Um, so, but yes, uh, and to answer people's questions, if you have a CRT TV, so let's let's take a step back real quick. We're going to talk about a bunch of different plug types, but basically in America, the three major plug types are composite, the red, white, and yellows. Uh, oh, there is also, of course, the screw in or push in connection that Jam's referring to. So that'll be on both of those. S video is very common in America on your late '80s, early '90s SD TVs. How common is that in Europe? Is S video a pretty common plug in Europe as well? Yep, yep, it is. Okay. Yep. And then there's component. Component video came in at the very end of the SDTV era. Uh, it's going to be later, larger, high-end televisions that have component video. That is your red, green, blue, and then red and white. And oh, that's yeah. an, an yeah. analog signal. And a lot of people get these confused because that's for... That, that will also work with HD signals. Many people will remember yes, the, right. yep, yep, the Xbox and the 360 both, and, and of course the PlayStation 3. That was a very common way for early HD TV to hook up. But you can pass both HD and standard def signals out of it. So a lot of people use component video because it's a very sharp, almost RGB quality um, signal type that we use in America. It's very common in America. And then RGB, which is the sharpest and best signal, which is a direct source of, if you're not aware, picture tubes make their, their images through red, green, and blue uh, colors in different intermittents. Um, 
and uh, you can literally get the red signal, the blue signal, the green signal, and the sync signal, which kind of gives all the information on how to assemble the image um, through one cord. Uh, that's not available in America, although there are ways to get it to work. And that is known as a RGB connection. And in Europe, it's really only available, to my knowledge, through SCART. Um, for common consumer products. There are professional products that have different ways like BNC connections and whatnot, but you don't really need to worry about those. Uh, am I mm. correct, Jam, that a lot of, I feel like I hear in Europe that SCART is a very common connection on standard deaf televisions. Is it very common? It was very common and it's still, um, most uh, HGTVs still have a SCART connection at the back as well. So, right, like a, a yeah, like an RGB, and I believe it's labeled RGB yeah. many times, yeah. Mm. Um, which is great for you guys because there are some cheaper upscalers to take a SCART connection and turn it into an HD connection, um, and mm. we run into a lot of problems with that because if you want to use SCART in America, you can use adapters and scalers, but you have to get a certain type of signal. Whereas in Europe, the TVs are built to take SCART in many forms. So it'll kind of take whatever signal you throw at it and display it. Um, so Europeans, that damn SCART connection is, uh, <laughs> is very popular. So we will come back to SCART in one second, but uh, so that's S-Video. Um, S-Video is another one that transcends, as we can say, both shores. Uh, S-Video is probably, for most American used console players on CRTs, this is going to be the most common and ideal way to hook up your console. Um, it looks much sharper than composite. Like, if you're going to put it in degrees, it's like twice as sharp. Um, and in many cases, it can come damn close. There are certain consoles that come damn close to looking in S-Video as good as they do, provided you get a good S video cable, um, in RGB. And I know that now from playing both, uh, if, uh the, the one I can definitely stand by is the Saturn. The Saturn looks fantastic Ooh. in S video. Um, hmm. yeah, it does. You would be shocked if you hooked a Saturn up jam, if you haven't done it before as to how close that gets to the RGB um, sharpness. It, it's a very good console. If you have a Saturn, especially if you're using old, composite cables you really owe it to yourself to get on amazon and buy an eight dollar s video cable for it you'll be very happy <laughs> you did um another one that definitely isn't popular in your neck of the woods or even mine is the jaguar uh the jaguar atari's jaguar um mm. that s video cable is going to cost you a little bit more i think i paid 40 for mine uh and i'm not even going to talk to you about what <laughs> i paid for my scart cable my rgb scart cable for the jaguar was brutal because i had to import it from america or from europe but um but yeah, those are those are both very good places to uh, to get your hands on. Uh, uh, those are good ones to use S video with. A lot of people liked the S video on my live stream of uh, of, of the N sixty four of Resident Evil two. That's all S video. Yeah, um, people thought that looked pretty damn good. Um, I don't think N sixty four looks as good in S video. It looks a lot better in RGB. But you know, beggars choosers. You have to mod the console to get RGB out of it, no matter what region you're in. Um, any others that you can think of that are particularly dazzling in S-Video, in your opinion? Or do you not use it uh, much? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I was going to say, I think you kind of... I, I, I'll be honest, like, I'm not the seasoned expert on the Saturn, but because um, I never actually had one. <laughs> but, um, Neither did know, a lot of people. Would, uh, <laughs> 
Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but no, I think I think you kind of nailed them. I do want to just briefly, because um, some people might want to go back to that. They might want to ask about the sort of the microcomputer stuff. Just have, yes, they yes. Might say, take oh, us yeah, back. Yes, yeah, so it might might be worth going back there. So with the with the microcomputer stuff, it it does get a little bit more interesting uh, because it, what what you have to remember is some of the microcomputers you could actually hook up to computer monitors. <laughs> so you so they could, had uh, yeah. their own sort of they yeah they had their own kind of computer their own not computer uh, their own um their own sort of uh, cables. Well, like, like the Amstrad, for example, actually just had dedicated computer cables for the the dedicated Amstrad monitor, which was a bit of a nightmare, really. If, if you, obviously <laughs> if you if you if you only have the console and not the monitor, but you can um, like the ZX Spectrum and um, I, I'm pretty you'll be able to speak to the Commodore 64. You could easily mm -hmm. hook up to an old um, CRT. Uh, that would have been um, the we're obviously going. I, I, you could have done the the pushing cable for that one, and I think the, that's how the Commodore in America hooked up. It did yeah. have a VGA, so if you guys have computers nowadays, a lot of computers still have VGA ports. That's your fifteen pin kind of like screw on connection cable. It's got fifteen different pins in it, and it's it's your most common way to hook up to even. I mean, even modern day monitors use VGA, and uh, it's just basically low res lower resolution of that. And usually there was an output port on the back of the Commodore. I think that had that. Um, but a lot of people don't have ways to to get that stuff, and uh, as you true. said, and and you may have a VGA port on your HDTV, and again, you'll run into the same problems you ran into before. Um, when hooking it up because it's so such low resolution and in some cases it was interlaced it wasn't progressive so yeah you might have the adapter to hook it up but uh, oh and it was 15 hertz wasn't it it was a uh, lower power mm. amount so you might not have enough power in that port to actually get a video signal that can display so in many yeah, cases yeah. if you hook up to an HDTV you'll just see no signal even if you have a, a, a appropriate port but yeah so yeah a quick little search, as I've just found out, is that, of course, there are people out there that have done a uh -huh. Spectrum RGB cable and a SCART cable. I was just seeing <laughs> that is uh, you can now get SCART RGB cables for all this stuff. Um, and when we get to the SCART section, which we're about to get to, so don't don't sit with bated breath for too long, uh, fellow listeners. Um We'll talk about how you can utilize SCART uh, if you don't have it natively on your televisions. It's a little bit of money, but nothing to write home about. Um, but yes, uh, um, there's a place in Europe called, uh, let me get it real quick, retrogamingcables.co.uk. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> this is a place that both uh, Europeans especially, but Americans who want to start messing with SCART, You'll want to know this place. Uh, there's also a place in America on the eBay store called Retro Console Accessories, I believe. And she is a well-known... I'll get her username for sure. But she is a well-known um, uh, 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 source of American-based RGB and SCART cables. So, um, yeah, Retro Console Accessories. Underscores between the names. Uh, for Americans looking for SCART and stuff, this is what you'll want. Um, and they have pretty good shipping prices to America. And Jam, for mm. you guys, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's still PAL-centric. Um, and it's, ex it's, ex you know, it's for that stuff. But they, yeah, I'm looking right now. You want a Commodore 64 SCART cable? Oh, they've got it. Nine, uh, 10 pound, Jam. 
You can get yourself uh, yeah, so right, that. They yeah. even have a Commodore 64 S video for 12 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they've got just looking oh. at the cables they've got. It's pretty impressive. Um, Atari Jaguar RGB Scott cable, 15 pounds. <laughs> they, they're, they're actually, uh, yeah, I saw that after I bought mine and I was pretty pissed off. So uh, <laughs> truth be told, I did actually return mine and bought it from them. But, uh, yep, Sinclair msx rgb cables um lots of stuff lots of stuff so this is a good place if you want to get a lot of different cable types in america if you're sticking to s video or composite amazon's still your best place to go but if you're going to start journeying into microcomputers and scart cables retro uh retro gaming cables they're not a sponsor in any way but they are they are a good place uh they also have a lot of tutorials to kind of teach you this stuff so mm. Um, cause you're going to have more problems than just that, uh, when using SCART cables in America, you can't just buy any old cable and go to town. So, but we'll discuss that in a minute. Um, actually let's just, I think, are, are you ready to discuss it now? I think it's time to move on to sure. SCART cause yeah, SCART is, is, SCART is, as is pretty much as old SCART. as all these other connections, uh, components, actually a newer one. Um, so Jim, why don't you just, uh, especially if people, you don't have to describe it per se, but introduce us to SCART for those of us in America who have either never heard of, never seen, or aren't very familiar with these cables. Uh, yeah, yeah, no problem. So SCART is a large connection, I would say. It's not like <laughs> small little pin one like we used to. This is a, a big bulky, it looks like some sort of terrorizing terminated <laughs> teeth look to it. Yes. It's basically 21 pins <laughs> is what you've got in this thing. Yes. Actually, um, I thought, actually, SCART, I think, is 20, isn't it? Oh, okay. Oh, well, well be close to that. Well, yeah, in Japan, in Jap uh, the reason I, I want to differentiate this is uh, SCART looks exactly like the Japanese JP21 connection, which is 21 mm. pins as well. Uh, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. You are right, Jim. It is 21 as well. Um, so whenever you're looking at cables, because they look identical, it's important to make sure you're looking for, it's often called SCART, S-C-A-R-T, or EuroSCART, as opposed to JP21. Um, cause they look identical. Absolutely do. But yeah. anyway, but this, um, I mean, it's certainly over here in Europe, this was a kind of a bog standard for carrying your kind of standard definition content. Um, obviously I, the, you know, this was, this was what we kind of relied on over here, um, until HDMI became a thing. Um, when even, I would have even said, pay, certainly PlayStation 2 and definitely PlayStation 3, um, when you got the cables for those consoles here, it would come with a, you get the, you know, the red, yellow, and the, the white, uh, mm -hmm. cables thread, and you, you plug them into the back of this, uh, converter, which was a SCART cable, which is a SCART, which you plug SCART converter, TV, oh, okay. Yeah. Which well, is very common, and, yeah. Well, and that's the interesting thing about SCART. SCART can carry any or all of the video signals. It can carry mm. composite, red, white, and yellow. It can carry S video. It can carry component video. And it can carry RGB. And depending on how the car, the cable is wired, it can carry any or all of those. And what's even more confusing is you can't tell what's wired without ripping open the cable. Some SCART yeah. <laughs> cables have pins missing. Some don't. They could work either way. 
you don't have to remove the pins. A lot of times they do, so you can identify the cable at, by looking at it. In America, it's all going to look foreign to you, though. Um, <laughs> and so that's why it's very important to, when you're buying SCART, especially as an American, but probably I'd say the, the same is true in Europe, to buy from a trusted source. Uh, it's preferably oh, yeah. a source with a return policy because... Yeah, like uh, you could hook up a SCART cable and someone could tell you it's RGB and you're looking at composite and you just don't know. Um, mm. So, but it's it's awesome and it, it it's very hard to hurt. Like uh, SCART connections look like it would be hard to hurt the port and it'd be hard to hurt the cables. It's big, thick, metallic pins. I don't know how else to describe it. it looks like the jaws of life. The- <laughs> they're pretty robust as well i've tried you, if you try and tinker them and you can like rub your finger across them and they'll stay there <laughs> yeah they will yeah. yeah they they it's a it's a great connection type uh that we never got in in the in in america and i i still don't know why um <laughs> oh, no, it's, it's interesting isn't it yeah because scart can even carry hd um but yeah. uh <laughs> yes. but you do run into this problem it's something we kind of have in america as well which is uh, good luck finding a television that will accept the HD signal from SCART, meaning the SCART yeah, port's just yeah, not SCART, wired yeah, yeah. to accept it. Um, so that's usually where you run into your problems. But um, uh, And so, yes, and this is why SCART is the source of RGB, because it's the only way to get true RGB out of most game consoles, um, whether you mod them or not. And so in America... Um, you'll need to get a SCART adapter. You can modify your television. It's very hard to do. I don't even know how to do it. A wonderful listener did it for me and brought me brought me the SCART TV. Um, and it's very finicky uh, just by the nature of what it is because it was never intended to do that. Um, but I'm very thankful for it. Uh, to play it safe, I recently grabbed something that a lot more people are going to do, which is here there is a SCART to component video adapter. Usually these are makeshift boxes people make at home. And you can buy them on the internet. And they usually sell for the cheap ones. If you're buying it, this is kind of the case with everything retro. If you're buying it cheap, more than likely it doesn't work very well. Um, And so you'll find a lot of, and Jam, I think you guys use them a lot over there too, occasionally, is, you know, SCART in and component video out. Like it's a little box that costs like 10, 20 pound. In America, it's probably about 20, 30 bucks. Um, you want to try to avoid those. Uh, there are guys who do much better ones and they're powered boxes. You have to plug them in with electricity and, um, they accept a SCART in and have the component, the full component line out, red, green, blue, uh, red, white with audio and everything. You kind of want to get those. Mm. Those are lag free. I can use light guns with that. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. And, and American televisions are much more susceptible to component video. Um, and, you can hook those up and the it looks almost the same as RGB, almost. Um, and it's gorgeous. Uh, the problem, though, that, Jam, you guys are probably aware of, but uh, it comes out in 240p, um, which is low-definition television. It's component video uh, uh, standard def signals, which are not recognized by almost every single television in America and probably most <laughs> in Europe. 
So what will happen is you'll go and use this converter box and you'll hook it up to an HDTV and when you turn it on, it'll say no signal. Um, the other way yeah, yeah. to see this, if you have it now, is if you have a PlayStation 2 that has a component video cable, hook your PlayStation 2 up to your HDTV. You might have done it already. And you've probably never done this before, though. Otherwise, you'd know this. Uh, throw a PlayStation 1 game in there. The PlayStation 1 games will switch to um, 240p and you'll lose the signal and not be able to play PlayStation 1 games on your PS2. Uh, yeah now again if you're using it on a standard def tv you're fine but this is something to think about so again we go back to the age-old rule which is if you're gonna use even scart and rgb or these component adapters you're probably still using a crt to watch them i do all my stuff through crts so Mm -hmm. so yeah um, and then the last one is component video for your CRT TVs. Uh, components a little more rare in televisions over here uh, that are standard yeah, deaf, yeah. that are standard deaf because they won't accept uh, progressive scan signals, right? So if you accidentally hit the wrong setting on your PlayStation 2 and switch it to 480p instead of 480i, uh, you could not be able to see your PlayStation 2 anymore on your standard deaf TV <laughs> until you redo mm. the settings and stuff. So... Um, Again, it's it's pretty important that uh, that you know your stuff about it. Jam, how common is component video on CRT TVs in Europe? It's very uncommon on CRTs. It's a lot more common on um, HD TVs now. I would I've agree. Seen, I've seen it. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's pretty commonplace. I, I, f- <clears throat> I think I have seen it like on some. Uh, the, I would like to say, like I've, I've seen, yeah, sort of like the sort of the later entry CRTs, those widescreen monitors. That they had yes or the um, flat yeah. the flat four by threes yeah that's um, what i'm thinking of yeah yeah your sony's did them a lot the trinitrons and the wegas those were very popular at that time uh your late model rcas definitely have a lot of that stuff i'm sure they're more uh sharp sharp televisions uh but jam's right your best bet is to find a 27 inch or larger crt that is a flat it's not a round picture tube. It's like a flat screen, but it's still four by three. It's still big and bulky and heavy. It's just they flattened out the the the, the screen. So um, you'll you'll notice at least in America that the Sony's are the biggest ones. I think it's because they they were very well made and sturdy, so they break less often, and that's why more people are giving them away because they haven't actually broken them. So. I currently have a collection of three Sony Trinitron uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> standard deaf TVs, but uh, but yeah, so that's how you're going to hook them up. Now, um, real quick, Jam, if you want to go to HD, which is fine, people like to do it. Um, you're going to probably need to scale, upscale, and the problem with upscalers is most of your cheap ones, which are twenty to eighty bucks. Put a bunch of lag in there up to a second and they're not going to work very well. Um, The other thing is a lot of your upscalers will take like S video or composite and it looks still terrible. Uh, You don't really need a component video upscaler, but they do exist. And as long as you're not sending them a SCART RGB, as long as you're sending them like a true 480i or 480p signal, so like an American or European console with a true component video thing, you can get these adapters that go component to HDMI and they don't introduce too much lag and they're pretty cheap. They'll kind of blow it up to 720 and look pretty good. Um, You cannot use any of those though on these SCART boxes and scart cables um 
And so if you're going to do that, you're getting into your expensive scalers and you're only one that really uh, doesn't. Uh, and there is there is a cheap box. I don't know if you guys use it, Jam, which does SCART to HDMI. Have you seen those? Yeah, I have seen those, yeah. They're made in China. They're powered boxes. Um, so that sounds about Chinese, yeah. Yep, they work very well in Europe for any TV that has a SCART RGB plug because apparently the TV, even if it gets it through the HDMI, just knows what to do with that upscaled signal. What I've noticed in America is somebody gave me one of those, and what I noticed in America is the sync signal we have to use. Oh, that's the other thing I didn't mention. When you're buying SCART RGB cables, for use in America for those converter boxes, they have to be what are known as C-Sync cables or clean sync or composite sync cables. And again, Retro Game Cables will tell you all about it. I've done some articles on them. Because there are three ways you can do sync. You can do sync over composite, sync over Luma, or C-Sync. Jam, I'm mm -hmm. sure you know this. In your televisions in Europe, they'll accept any of those and display them. They know what to do with them all. And much like composite cables... Sync over composite doesn't look as good on RGB uh, because it's kind of using the sync signal over the composite video. Sync over Luma is a little better. And then C-Sync, I've always been told, is the best. But a lot of people in Europe can't afford to have to hunt those down. Uh, in America, you pretty much have to have C-Sync. But regardless of what sync signal is in your thing, once you go to these converter boxes, um, it shifts everything to the left on both a on HDTVs in America. And again, apparently in Europe, you guys have an RGB channel. And if you can figure out how to set the RGB channel to your HDMI, it knows how to s center that properly. But we don't have a way to do it. So <laughs> it's, it's a problem. So uh, you can do sync spikes and sync strippers. I'll let you do your own research on that or do a different episode on it. It's not really relevant to today. Um, <clears throat> But, uh, so yeah, so, uh, but the last part is these upscalers and pretty much the only game in town, if you want to not use a CRT and have stuff blow up and look great is the XRGB mini frame Meister, which jam, are you familiar with what this thing is? No, no, not too many of this one. Okay. It's a, it's a Japanese box. Mm -hmm. it, it has sticker shock through the nose, Jam. These things used to be about 350 and at that point, people were very like, wow, that's a lot of money. Now they are more rare and out of print. Uh, MyComSoft, the manufacturer, makes less of them than ever before. These sons of bitches cost on the upwards of $500 right now. <sighs> yes. <laughs> but what they will do is they will take in composite S-Video, SCART, component... VGA, everything, and blow it up to HDMI uh, 720p or 1080p with very low um, uh, lag. So you can actually play these games. Not low enough to do light gun stuff, but everything else. And mm. things look amazing. And your, your best videos look that way. It makes a retro console look like an emulator. It's, it's, it's amazing. Mm. And that's how your retro enthusiast YouTubers myself not included um does <laughs> does this stuff you know um my life in gaming has a great thing about what the xrgb mini does i could be wrong but i'm guessing that even for people like you and me 500 dollars might be a little out of our price range and 
I mean, yeah, can, I'd say so. <laughs> it's not ridiculous. Like, if it's something you nah, really nah. want, you can save up and buy it. Uh, it has a lot of settings and stuff like that. But the biggest thing for me is you're introducing lag and putting it on an HDTV. I kind of like the CRT myself. So the biggest reason I haven't gotten an XRGB Mini is I would only use it really for streaming and capturing for videos. And yeah, yeah. it's just not worth that much to me. I also don't like the idea of playing on an HDTV when I'm playing retro consoles. So... I've skipped it, but uh, yeah. Um, so the short answer is, yeah, I want to put my NES onto a uh, onto a HDTV. Oh, and then of course, uh, with the XRGB mini, XRGB Mini, it is heavily require or uh, recommended. You do the RGB SCART thing, so you are going to start spending thirty bucks on cables. You might have to mod most of your consoles. You have to use an adapter. To buy an XRGB Mini is to get yourself into a deep, deep, deep well of gorgeous gaming, but at a very, very high price. Um, yeah, yeah. So, like, I just, I just start using, and, and I've even gotten into RGB stuff, but I still like RGB on CRT TVs, and that's kind of what I stick to. Uh, yourself? Gold standard. Yeah. Yep, yep. I was about to say that's part of the gold standard, I'd say. <laughs> well, and there is one other cheap way to do it, and then we're going to probably move on to games once we wrap this up. But the other way, and this is why I, I highly recommend it and I highly push it, is Jam re releases, virtual consoles, mm-hmm. um, P- <laughs> PSN, Xbox, uh, Xbox Live, Steam, good old games, PCs. These are actually the best okay. and easiest way to play games yeah. on your HDTV that you liked. Uh, it won't play everything, but these are the ways to do it. Um, I also think that those uh, field programmable gate arrays, those FPGA things like the Analog NT, Nintendo console, and, and the AVS, which I have, uh, which are like retro consoles that have actual hardware in them that emulates the circuit board and has HDMI out, I think those are going to start becoming commonplace, and those will probably be the way a lot of people will do it in the future. Um, mm. But yeah, so. Um, so yeah, do you uh, do you have anything else you want to add on to? Well, no, just on that final note about re-releases, that, that probably is uh, maybe the cheaper way as well <laughs> for most people. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, yeah, it is the cheapest and probably the best. Um, and... Uh, and, and, and we'll definitely go with, um, you know, some people have asked me, well, what about like the Retron 5 and the Game Freak and stuff like that? Um, you can use those. What those really are, I'm not going to lie, is those are emulators outputting yeah, to yeah. HDMI. At that point, uh, I would call Jim and ask him to show you how the RetroPie works. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a good. Oh, I forgot, forgot to mention that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nice. So, um, again, it's emulation. So it's not the original consoles. I'm a bit of a purist. Yeah. I can't really get into emulation. Um, but most people can. And, and why not? Uh, no judgments here. So... Um, oh, if we've, we've we've talked about this many a times, how we're 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 definitely a lot a lot more accepting than we might have been originally of emulation. Yeah, yeah, or at least I've I've changed my mind. So, um, all right, well, we do have about half an hour left, and I think this is a great time to field um, questions. So we've gotten yep. some questions coming yep. in, and um, also uh, more importantly, Jam, let's get into the other side of retro, and probably the side you guys wanted to hear about more. So sorry we spent so time so much time on hardware, but you got to make sure you got the right stuff and you've hooked mm. them up. Um, 
So once you've got these consoles, the sky's the limit on games. So uh, we're not going to talk about flashcards. So I'm just going to say that right now. We're not going to talk about ways you can mod consoles. That's a different show that I think I've already even done. Um, We've kind of done that. Yeah, yeah. We're going to talk about carts, buying games for your consoles, what you should do, how you should do it, and what Jam and I do and other people to kind of get yourself to be an expert because there is no such thing as being an expert at buying retro games right now. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Just follow the trends and do the best you can and then use resources like us who follow the trends. But, um, But Jam, I would say the most fun thing I like to do is the hunt for retro games. I agree. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And uh, lots of people were like, well, so what do you do? How do you find them? What do you do? Uh, We'll talk about Mm -hmm. that in a minute. Uh, I do think it's important to kind of, before you even start going and reliving your childhood, you'll spend a lot of money if you're like, okay, I got a Super NES. Now I got to get Mario World, Mario All-Star, Street Fighter 2. Yeah. Everybody else does too. That's why these very common games are very expensive now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I tell people it's best to kind of pull up those Wikipedia lists that have the entire library, skim through it, and start jotting down. Or if you want to, a lot of people I've seen now put them in a Google Doc and then have them ready, readily available on their phone. So you type it up at home, but then you pull it up oh, yeah, when yeah. you're at a, a used game store or a, a Goodwill or something and have a, a large list of games you're looking for so that you know when you see it in the wild. It's kind of like Netflix. Don't go looking for a specific game, but go look and see what they have. And when you see something of interest, go, ooh, and then start looking at the price. Mm-hmm. Um, is that what you kind of do or do you have a different method? I, it's funny you say that because I, when I was um, collecting, kind of, I, I was on, on a big, big, big um, original Xbox collecting kick and I was I was pretty much getting, I was going for almost like as many Xbox, what, X, I was about to say Xbox One. Because I, I used to call we it We know what Xbox you one. meant, yeah. <laughs> know, so, I, it, yeah. Um, the OG Xbox, I think is what OG I call it now, Xbox. but yeah. Um, <laughs> what I did is I, just like you um, pointed out, I actually had a, a, like a, yeah, like a Google Doc on my phone, but it wasn't the, the entire list. Um, what i did is i just wrote down every game i had and i was a bit more anal about it and i said what type of game if i had it complete in box if i had the manual if i had the disc if i mm. just had the disc because some of them i just don't have the disc only still um and so that way i knew i wouldn't buy it twice basically because that's what i was worried about i was worried oh god i might accidentally pick up <laughs> several copies of halo or something but i didn't right but but that's one way if you're um that's uh, that uh, that that came to an end on my move because i i actually got rid of um probably over half of the xbox collection just because you know Aww. a lot of it just it was just taking up space and it's just something that had to be done really but it doesn't mean to say if i don't come across this stuff getting cheap i'll pick it up again <laughs> knowing me but so yeah the, um, because yeah, like, yeah Karen. uh well and and again that that is a thing you'll notice is um certain games and consoles are pretty cheap in fact retro games for the most part you will find are cheap the important thing to do is know what's hot at the time and when to avoid it um so right off the bat let's just talk about that um it used to be nes right the 8-bit era was very big and it kind of goes with uh, basically the age group of people like us because we have expendable income i would say right now uh, the the big ones is this the the 16-bit generation snes is very high priced right now with most of its stuff oh yeah um the the mega drive genesis is as well 
Not as much because they've re-released a lot of stuff. But if it's a rare game on the Genesis or Mega Drive or it never got re-released, it it will be up there. Don't you guys have like that ridiculous price for Maximum Carnage on the Genesis or something? Oh, God. Uh, Well, it's not too bad. I've seen it. um, I think the best I've seen it for is £25 cart only. That's not bad. But that's not too bad. But it it generally is because that was on the Super Nintendo and the Genesis. But the Genesis one is the one that most people want because it's the red cart. Mm-hmm. So which is quite yep. common having a red car is so cool it's super <laughs> so. common here like we can grab i can oh, really? grab you a maximum carnage car for 10 bucks that's red yeah it's <laughs> so funny how different regions do different things um i will warn people n64 is starting to grow popularity yeah, jam and i, I both that. notice that uh n64 games are much more expensive and it's weird even stuff that's already been re-released like conquer's bad fur day with rare replay being readily available and cheap did not yeah, get like, cheaper I, I was shocked by that because mm-hmm. that rare replay is like 15 quid on the and that's <laughs> on a bad day yeah. <laughs> it's 20 here in america 20 20 bucks which it's, is the same price yeah it's actually cheaper for someone to buy an Xbox One and a copy of Rare Replay and probably a television as well than yeah. buying Conker's Bad Fur Day on N64. I would agree. Um, one thing I will say about trends is Nintendo consoles, like them or hate them, uh, they tend to be the most popular. I think as Nintendo continues to go on, whether you agree with this sentiment or not, and disappoint modern gamers, they keep going back to what their nostalgia <laughs> is and want to relive it. Um uh, it's also why Super Mario Brothers 3 is probably one of the most common cartridges out there and still nets 20, 30 bucks. Yeah, every used store will give you five bucks for it and tell you how common it is. And then they'll turn around and sell it for six times that amount to the next guy who buys a Nintendo because he's just going to get it with it. And that game is on everything, including Virtual Console. <laughs> it's on Virtual Console on all three Virtual Consoles. Yep, like, it yeah, is on all um, three Virtual Consoles. But uh, uh, so so right now, uh, like I said, that's the the one. Um, most of your other stuff is pretty safe. Uh, you'd be surprised as to like, even though the 16-bit era is pretty popular, Genesis or sorry, Sega CD 32X, those have really come down in price. There's a handful of Sega CD games that are up there, but for the most part, they're really cheap. Um, uh, Jaguars recently, I've seen spiking up in price for games. Um, That's interesting. I'm surprised by that. <laughs> yeah, and maybe it's just because they're they're rare in the grand scheme of things, and a lot of Jaguar owners are hanging on to it. But even your more common games, like uh, I don't know, like uh, White Men Can't Jump and <laughs> Dragon the Bruce Lee story, these are terrible games. No one should own. Um, they, they fetch like 20, 30 bucks. Uh, and then when you get to the popular ones like doom and alien versus predator and all that stuff, especially cause they've got the inserts, um, yes, they yeah, get the really inserts, up there yeah. in price. But I think that is another thing is it's kind of a collector's market, mm-hmm. um, because you're buying stuff that are box instructions, inserts and cart, which is kind of what you want for most Jaguar games. So I think that's another thing that jacks up the price is you're competing with collectors, Um, and it's important we talk about that a little bit. So I'm not a collector jam. All my stuff is, you know, you sent me a collection of N64 carts. Some were beaten up, some were cracked, all this stuff, but, (laughs) but, but they all played other than conquers. And I've been able to get conquers to a close to playable state. Um, and those are, those, uh, that's, that's a collector's nightmare. No collector wants games in that, in that 
condition. I love them though because you can get them really cheap. They're much lower price, and I just want to play the game. So you got to decide. And again, this yeah. will be different based off of the game, whether you're a collector, you're a player, or you're both. And lots of people are both. But if I showed you GoldenEye for ninety bucks, complete in box, and I showed you a GoldenEye cart only for nineteen ninety nine you might be swayed to buy the cart only. Um, yeah. Mm. So uh, I don't know. Do you have a rule of thumb as to when you're buying for collecting reasons versus for playing reasons? Is there, do you go one way or the well, other? I'm kind of probably more like you nowadays, um, especially since I've moved, but I definitely cart cartridge based consoles. I'm honestly not bothered. I mean, cause that, cause I, 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 I can't, I'll do cart all day, every day. If it's cheaper for mega drive, uh, super Nintendo N64. In fact, you know, I'm not mm-hmm. bothered about the, the, the cardboard box and the manuals. So if, if it comes with it, sure. Why not? Right. Absolutely. If it, if it comes for a reasonable price, but I'm not gonna, but the, I only get a bit more anal when it comes to kind of CD based systems, just because, um, I mean, disc only is not a common thing I find around here, but yeah, you sometimes come across it, but especially PlayStation one, I mean, just some scratches on that system, just, they've just got no chance in hell of working on the console. So I would agree. I, yeah. I eventually so, bought a, actually uh, disc only is very common in America. And again, really? that doesn't, wow. yeah, but that doesn't mean they work any better. Yeah, yeah. And so you can usually just get them for cheap. So what I've done is I, there is a store around here where if it's disc only uh, for a disc, they literally just sell it for 99 cents or two ninety nine. It doesn't yeah, matter if that, it's resident fine. evil yeah. or what. And I bought a resurfacer. Not a lot of people can buy a resurfacer, but there's probably, they're not that expensive. They're a few hundred bucks, but a lot of people don't want to do that just for resurfacing games. If you don't want to mess with that, oftentimes there is a place by your house that for a buck, like a used CD store or a uh, movie rental place, if those still exist, or a, a used DVD sale place, they'll usually have resurfacers. And outside of Blu-rays, you can resurface those discs, and a lot of times you'll get life out of them. And you pay like a buck to get them resurfaced or something. Because um, I buy lots of discs, Jam. Uh, I've got I've got an entire spindle of 3DO games that are disc only. That's awesome. <laughs> it is. Well, but you got to know how to stack them. Uh, fun little tip. When you're stacking those in a spindle or something, you do data side to data side. So there's usually a label on the outside that can scratch the data side of another disk. Yeah. So if you yeah. do data to data, you're good to go. And I do them in alphabetical order, data to data, so that the only things that are touching are the label sides, which can't really be hurt. So That's clever. That's clever. That's a good tip, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, a lot of other people buy CD books. Or um, if you're really... Yeah, that's what I do. Yeah. yeah, another cheap solution is go to an office supply store and buy the CD envelopes. You can buy like 100 for like nothing. And you can just, you know, put them in envelopes yeah. and then just keep them in a little box or something uh, in alphabetical order. Well, you can do them in any order you want. I'm not here trying to push alphabetical. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, keep up with the trends. Uh, another really good idea, even though it doesn't affect some games, uh, Jam, I don't know if you do this, but if I see a game that just piques my interest, like a lot of times I'll just be walking around the stores and I'll be like, Red Sonja on the Xbox. What the fuck <laughs> is this? Go look it up on Wikipedia or something. See if it came out on another console. See if it got re-released. See if it's on virtual console. It's really good to know if there's a way you can get these games elsewhere, right? How many times have you been out and about jam and you're like, there's no way this was re-released and you're like, Oh, 
actually it is on PSN. I can't believe that, you know, and... Well, that's quite common with the PS4 at the moment, isn't it? Because they did like the Mark of Cree and that sequel to Mark of Cree. Because that surprised me that that was on PSN. <laughs> yeah, they're those, cool they're those those re-releases. Yeah, and, and the other thing is um, another good one if you're going to go digital is uh, different regions. Um, yes. Yeah. You know, Sony has always allowed you to make uh, accounts in other regions. And uh, so for both my PS3, PS4 and for my uh, the Vita, it's a little hard. So I don't do it on that. Yeah. But PSP, I, uh, I have accounts that I sign into for uh, Japan, Europe and America, because the selection of like especially retro games on those is vast. Right. Oh, yeah. You will pay two hundred dollars to import Dodonpachi on the PlayStation one uh from japan because it's a very rare disc you will pay Mm -hmm. 600 yen or six dollars or five pound for that game on psn download it to your ps3 and play it no problem um that's that's amazing rival schools i don't know if you do you know that game jam rival yeah i do yes very rare super rare (laughs) right it's two discs so you got to find one with both discs and then you pay like Around here, you pay between 70 and 100 bucks for a complete inbox yep. with both discs. It's six bucks on six bucks. the Japanese <laughs> PSN. I have it. It's six bucks. Thunder Force 5 is another one. So oh, that's a good one. <laughs> five bucks on the PSN. There's 600 yen on the PSN store. So what you do is you just go to like Play Asia or even Amazon.jp, buy a PSN card, make a Japanese account. I have how to do that on Gaming History 101. Just look up PSN region i think is what you search and it'll it'll show you how to do it it walks you through it uh even in japan and um and yeah for for like for like fifth for like i think it's 40 bucks you can buy a thirty thousand yen card and go buy five or six ultra rare games that'll play on your ps3 and on your hdtv like it's it's crazy what you mm-hmm. the 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 time and money you can save doing stuff like that um so and and the switch is supposed to have region free although let's see what they do with the virtual console <laughs> nintendo oh yeah we'll see <laughs> the wii is not region free although if you ever get your hands on a japanese wii that japanese re- virtual console yeah, store is pretty good. awesome <laughs> yeah so something to keep in mind as well might be worth it because the wii is not an expensive console either but um mm. Uh, any other uh, bits of advice? Because we're going to go into some stuff, but like um, we're going to go into like kind of how you hunt it. But any other bits of advice on you know just the the basic concept of where to go and what to look for when uh, when you're just out and about? Um, anything else? Well, I mean, I, yeah, I, I, th- I think it's um, a good thing to keep in mind because you mentioned about the um, that that's the thing I enjoy the most is when you find a random game that you don't really know a lot about and mm-hmm. um, you know you, and you look it up to obviously see if it was re-released so sometimes depending on the price I sometimes think it's fun maybe not to look it up and just be surprised by what you might and discover. you can totally do that yeah another thing I highly recommend is Jam you've probably seen this and I don't know how common this is even in America let alone Europe but uh, if you ever see a place that's like 20 PlayStation 1 games for 20 bucks yeah probably going to be a lot of shit yeah probably going to be a lot of sports games but why not mm-hmm. you know and i've uh yeah. i think i talked to you about that remember when i bought that gamecube bundle for 20 bucks and it had like mm. rogue squadron 2 it had uh pack uh, mania yeah, 2 it had yeah. super monkey ball which i was planning to buy the whole time 
Um, because you had recommended that to me. Still haven't played it. Yep. Sorry, bro. Um, <laughs> it had Wave Race on the GameCube. So, like, you'd be surprised, uh, especially uh, outside of, like, the Xbox. And the, the big problem with Xbox grab bags was Xbox was half sports games. Uh, most people don't remember that the original Xbox, if you ever look at the release list of that, it was half sports games, at least in America. Um, so when you buy a, an Xbox or a PlayStation one or PlayStation two bundle in America, you are probably getting half sports games across the board. Um, if not more, Hmm. but for stuff like the GameCube, there weren't that many sports games on the GameCube and people didn't buy their sports games on the GameCube. And so you can get some good bundle grab bag stuff. So, um, but, uh, and jam, do you have a Holy grail? I have a couple of Holy grails that I look for. So like whenever I'm out and about, I'm always waiting to see if they've got it. Is there anything like that for you at this point? Or have you pretty much gotten what you're looking for? Uh, no, there's always things I've been looking for. I mean, if I, funny enough, I mean, I would have said, um, mischief makers on N64 was one. It's not really a holy grail because I know it's not, I know that it's an easy one to find online, but I kind of enjoy finding stuff out in the wild. I, I don't like to cheat and just, unless, unless of course I need to cover it, um, for the site, like quickly, I like to just kind of wait to be patient, just see if it turns up basically. So that's one. And I, I do, yeah, I want to stress that to people. Yeah. eBay makes it so that almost any game you want, you can just go yeah. and buy, but Think if that money couldn't be better spent buying a bunch of really good, like games you've heard good things about that are a lot cheaper. Like just consider Mm. that in your retro world. Um, Remember retro games, you can play out a retro game in in an afternoon sometimes, you know? (laughs) So um, it's not like today where every game is a hundred hours. So Mm. keep that in mind. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Keep that in mind. So uh so other holy grails um i really i really want to get Landstalker for the mega drive but uh, i've not been able to find that at all uh mm-hmm. that's a really hard one um i know it's a really easy easy one but um i want i need i need to get all the other wonder boys from the mars system which i still don't own yet i've got um dragon's trap but i don't um i don't i want to get monster world for the mars system and as well as the original wonder boy and wonder Boy wants to land mm-hmm. um and then my other one is uh, sticking with the mars system is i need to get um this is a weird one but when I got my big box of Masters and Games uh, all the way back in the day uh, from this sort of, um, you know, like tabletop sale I found, um, there was a copy of Ease Origins or Wise Origins, mm-hmm. as we all laugh about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that, that was in the box, but no cart. But I still have Ooh. the box. <laughs> well, at least you got the box. Uh, I've got the box. <laughs> uh, what a... Uh, but- oh yeah and and again my holy grails are pretty fun uh i i did eventually uh, here's the weirdest one so if people want to know like why you should keep looking don't not look online but you might be surprised is uh one of my holy grails was metal gear solid for the collector's edition yes yeah i remember you saying yeah and i found that on an amazon being sold by a goodwill for 20 bucks oh, wow. and i got it and it was <laughs> sealed it was sealed it had never sealed, been opened yeah. I opened it, but, uh, but yeah, so you, you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised where your Holy grails can be found. Um, I'm trying to think, I don't think I have any, Oh, my one weird one right now is Stubbs, the zombie rebel without a pulse. Um, I've got that. Woo. <laughs> damn you. And it's a pal copy. Fuck. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like I want That's that crazy price over here now. 
See, it's not here. It's like 30, 40 bucks, but you can't find one uh, that's uh, complete. You know, I'd even pay like 50 for it if it was complete. Um, But uh, it's harder to find. I have a PC copy. Uh, It's not re-released or anything. I I literally have just like I found a disc. That's what started this whole thing. Um, But I don't like that it's keyboard and mouse, and you can kind of graft it to a controller, but not the way console games just kind of build it for controllers from the ground up so i need to find that uh and again like you said it's not super rare but i'm i just want to find it in the wild and it's 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 hard um so if you, if you do find it just for anyone listening that that can be played on your 360 if you've held on to that system yes it can <laughs> yes it can uh, a couple other uh, i'm trying to think of like holy grails back in the day um I used to want Dragon, uh, sorry, Panzer Dragoon Saga. Panzer Dragon. Saga. Yeah. Super rare in America. Uh, 5,000 um, copies in the uh, second printing, 10,000 copies in the first printing, 15,000 copies total. Four discs, so people lose discs constantly. If you have a complete one, it usually sells for between five and $700. Um, disc only is 400 so it's not a whole lot cheaper uh i finally broke down and decided i was just gonna burn that uh that's one of those things where i find well it's one of those things where i go that's for the collectors a collector wants that on a shelf they may play it but they really want it for a shelf and i won't i won't covet it it won't be in a shelf it'll be in a closet for me so it's almost a shame to do that uh so i don't want to spend the money the collectors don't want me to take one more off the street i'm okay with that um but uh, and another one was Earthbound, and then Earthbound hit the Wii U, and I just I'm not going to fight that fight. I'll yep. pay ten bucks for that. it and call it a day. Um, so yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it wasn't even released here, so I don't know what I'm moaning about. But <laughs> it was. It wow! Was, um, wow! It was, okay. It, well, well, it was released that. on Virtual Console, but it never we never had a cart version. <laughs> Right, right. And and again, there I have lots of, of various Holy Grails. Of course, Night Trap, getting all the versions of Night Trap. I have every copy of Night Trap that ever released. Um, I have mm-hmm. the two Sega CD ones. I've got the, there was the American one that had the cartoon cover on it. There's the later one that has Dana Plato on it. That's the big blue Sega CD boxes we had in America. There's the 32X mm-hmm. CD version. That's the uh, yellow box in America. I've got the PC version. I've got the 3DO version, the, the long box version of that. Um, and I think that's it. I'm trying to remember if there's another version of Night Trap I've got, but I've got them all stacked up in this bookshelf behind me. I just didn't want to turn around. But uh, anyway, and you've got your own Holy Grails. Just know what they are. Always be looking yeah. for them and be willing to walk away from them. Uh, oh, yes. That's, that's a very good point. <laughs> so. Well, and, and like you said, Jam, like, yeah, like if you are looking for Night Trap and you see it in a store, I'm always tempted to buy it when I see it in a store, but I saw it recently. It was a complete copy of Night Trap on Sega CD for like 60 bucks. And I know that's not, you can get it cheaper than that online. And I said, I, I'm not going to buy that. Um, and I'm willing to walk away from that and let that get away from me. Uh, but at the same time, I would never have bought any of these Night Traps unless I desperately needed them for a collecting reason uh, online because that kills the hunt. And the hunt is the mm. most fun. Um, so on that topic, Jam, where do you go to hunt for retro games in Europe? Oh, I go for it. I go to a few places. <laughs> so, you don't have to be specific. Be... Why don't you give us an idea of like the types of places you go to? 
oh yeah yeah no no that's what i was gonna do i was gonna be quite it's gonna be quite broad but um yeah <laughs> basically for, if it's summertime if the sun's out which doesn't happen only happens twice a year in the uk i've, I've heard yes <laughs> <laughs> so, if it's sunny i go to car boot sales aka flea markets that's a great way to find a deal um however most of the time of the year i'm always nipping in and out of charity shops because you mm-hmm. might just be surprised over here and there is a lot of them in the uk um they're kind of like basically that's like your goodwill essentially yep. but we don't have goodwill over here uh we have i mean people for people who live here with british heart foundation we have oxfam we have uh rspca uh there's also local charity shops that are just for specific regions um they vary and the other thing as well if people are brave enough is sometimes you can actually ask people in the charity shop and just ask them at the desk and say do you have any games really and sometimes they will pull (laughs) stuff out um now the reason i think this is important i've got to mention this as well fred is that um, i have found out from people that i've spoken to about this that some people um in like charity shops around here they will actually throw away retro carts because they think they don't sell Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is kind of so which actually kind of think oh my god (laughs) yeah another good one is if you ever go to a charity place or a goodwill place any place that doesn't specialize in games always check the vhs tapes you will not you will be shocked vhs betamax tapes dvds you'd be shocked how many times you find carts and cds uh use cd racks you'd be surprised how many times you find video games in these places um yep i found a turbo graphic 16 cd sampler disc next to a Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch disc. I paid 99 cents for it, and it's kind of rare today. I think it's worth like 60, 70 bucks. It's got uh, like Air Zonk on it, Gates of Thunder, and something else. It was a great like TurboGrafx CD find uh, at a Goodwill shop around here. And again, the person who probably gave it to Goodwill thought it was a CD. Put it in their... Uh, yeah. Put in their CD player. The first track was all crackly, and the rest sounded like some bad techno music. And they just turned it into Goodwill. <laughs> so, um, and then, and then you guys do have stores now. Does Sex sell? Uh, Yes, I do. That that's actually been something that's happened recently as well. I've noticed that um, uh, Sex, aka CEX, if you prefer, <laughs> but yeah. Sex is a lot better name. Um, <laughs> is they they do do all, all sorts of retro. In fact, that copy of Mischief Makers I've been um, touting all through this podcast. I got that from Sex. <laughs> so see. Um, so the only he means the store, like, not fornication, just in case people are wondering. Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> the only problem with sex um, over here is and that this is worth mentioning nothing. is that there's no problems they, with sex. There's nothing wrong with sex, but <laughs> they are a bit, um, they do go a bit crazy with some of their games. And I am going to do an article about this at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, um, probably with a hilarious title as well about something to do with sex, but, <laughs> but, um, but the Turtles in Time, basically. Turtles in Time on the Super Nintendo, they sell that in CEX for £75. Although, to be fair, Turtles in Time has become, uh, somehow, Turtles in Time on the SNES became, I think it was because they did that reshelled edition and yeah, everybody yeah. hated it. And now, now people are just gobbling it up it's uh, there with the other one yeah <laughs> you know what though it's still only like 30 bucks on ebay around here so but if you want it complete it goes much higher but that's indicative of any super nintendo game but mm. um well and in america it's kind of the same place uh if you know flea markets um 
Goodwill places, uh, used lots. Craigslist can be a good place these days. Um, if the person, I actually more these days like dealing with people who know what they're doing as opposed to people who don't, because, uh, we're going to wrap up here, but, uh, we're going to address your questions for the rest of this. And also something very upfront, which is, uh, Harold on Facebook asks this. He goes, I want to know what you guys consider as good resources for checking rarity and values, going rates. I get that eBay is a good resource, but I'm curious for more information. And uh, and, and this, is, this is something I want to say. I think that's what most people do. They get on eBay and they look it up. And what happens is people don't understand that eBay is a place where people can ask whatever they want for an item. Who cares yeah. if it's sold yeah. or not? So, you know, I'll go to eBay right now and look up Conker's Bad Fur Day, which we know is a big ticket item. And <laughs> we're going to pop this in and boom, you could look at it. And if you don't know how to search properly, you're like, holy shit, $259. And you go on Craigslist and you're like, 259 bucks. Let's do this. Whereas if you sorted for anything, if you looked up other resources and stuff like that, there's a buy it now, right now for $50 cart only. And he proves that it wow. works and saves. Here's another one for 45 with a rough label. Here's a complete in box for 69 bucks. Um, so, so I almost like the guys who actually, um, who actually know, uh, how to, uh, like what they've got and what they're selling it for. Cause you can also talk to them too. Like, let's say this guy wants, you know, um, let's say turtles in time. Jim, what do you think is a good price for turtles in time? If you, what would you expect to pay? Uh, well, what, what, what I'd expect to pay would be sort of like 30. Okay. Pounds. So you see a Craigslist offer for 40 bucks. You shoot the guy a thing and he says, he knows what he's talking about. Just say, yeah, I know this is worth money, but, uh, you know, would you do it for 25? And hope that you yeah, can negotiate yeah. him into 30 or close yeah, enough. Yeah. Um, and usually, you know, a, a Craigslist guy will look at that and go see it for like 70 bucks. Or an eBay guy who doesn't know any better will go, no, I want 70 or nothing. Fine. Talk to you in three months when you can't sell it. Uh, but usually these other guys are <laughs> like, you know what? Actually, yeah, I could, I could part with it for that, you know. Um, Used game stores are like that too. Usually you want to wait. If it's not a corporate store, wait till everyone's gone and then start negotiating. Um, but to answer his right, question, yeah. how do you know the price? You really don't. You go to a bunch of places and you try to narrow down the price the best you can. People talk about price charting. Price charting is an aggregator, pricecharting.com. It will help you see what eBay and Amazon sell for and actually sell for, not what they ask for. Um, yeah, yeah. it can be a good place to see trends and whatnot, but, uh, that's, that's usually your price ceiling. I don't go that high. Um, recently sex and GameStop have been good uh, GameStop in America. Uh, they've started doing retro stuff. They can be a good place to kind of see a going rate. GameStop has impressive prices for some stuff. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Um, yeah, like Jam. Right now, I'm looking at uh, Vagrant Story for ten bucks. PS One complete. That's good. Um, that's very good. Ocarina yeah. of Time for twenty five. That's a fair price. Yep, that's a fair price. Uh, yeah. Final Fantasy four, five, and six advance. Uh, four Ooh. advance for six bucks. Five advance for fifteen. Six advance for twenty. Those aren't <laughs> bad prices. Um, That's not bad. So yeah. they're selling Kotor, not disc only. Kotor on the X, on the original Xbox for six dollars. Like they That's give good. you a feel of like what you should be paying. I guess is what I would say. 
Um, mm. Wind Waker on GameCube, $20. There you go. Like, that's good, that's good, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and oftentimes if they've got a good enough price, I just pull the trigger. Like I bought, did you know from them I bought for $25, but I had like a coupon for five bucks off. I managed to buy um, uh, Yoshi's Story, Mario World 2. Wow, that's good. And that's usually a $50 huh. game, so. yeah. You can do stuff like that. Another place to do it is just when you're shopping around at the shops, just look. And then there is the last part. And Jam, I'd say this is probably the best. Once you've been looking for retro games long enough, you just have your gut. And you also have the fact that you know what you'll gladly pay for. Yeah, yeah. I I think that's a great point. Yeah, what you feel comfortable with. Yeah, because you're much like technology. You're never going to find the best deals out there. Somebody's always going to undercut you or something, and so uh, or or there will always be a better deal. So just be commit. Just commit with what you're going for. If you see uh, Chrono Trigger for thirty dollars on SNES and you're willing to pay that, then that's the going rate. You know, and you can look on price charting or eBay or something to make sure you're not grossly overpaying. But once you get to that point, then, you know, just go for it. Like, you know, um, wow, Super Mario RPG, cart only, 40 bucks on GameStop. GameStop is actually a pretty cheap place to look right now. Uh, I'm not endorsing them per se. uh, And you won't know the condition of anything you're getting. So it's best to just assume disc (laughs) or cart only. But it can be a good place to, you know, to see stuff. Um, and there is stuff that is ridiculously overpriced as well. I'm looking at Turtles in Time right now for 55. So there you go. I don't know what's what the deal is with Turtles in Time. <laughs> um, he also says, also warning signs of bootlegs and counterfeit items and how to spot them. It will be challenging to portray uh-huh. in an audio medium. Here's my best rule of thumb: if it's too good to be true, it totally is. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> somebody's selling you a Pokemon cart for five bucks. If somebody's selling you 150 Famicom games in a Nintendo cartridge for thirty dollars, that's a bootleg. Um, if the box art doesn't look like the one on Wikipedia, uh, that's a good one. Um, yeah. Uh, another thing is if you aren't sure, but there's just something not right about it, just Google search out. the yeah. game and bootleg and see if somebody's written an article about it. Cause chances are there probably is one. Um, there are a few sort of things you can brief. I know some of these might seem really, really obvious to people, but observation goes a long way. Like uh, we're certainly with Nintendo carts. I find the bootlegs, of those are really easy to spot. Um, particularly like Game Boy, Game Boy games and Game Boy Advance games that they should say, um, it should have the Nintendo trademark logo at the top. Yeah. yeah bootleg usually just says like game or something mm-hmm. at the top. Yep. Or something really, something really generic. Look for the seal um, of, of, of quality. Uh, look for a professional label. Um, yeah, things like yeah. that. Um, uh, it, it's always good if there's a, a box and a, and a, and an instruction manual with it. That's a good way to tell, although again, you will pay a premium for that. Um, but again, if the price is too good to be true, it probably is. Yeah. Uh, the CD, a quick note on the CDs as well. Like, obviously, look at just pick, get the CD out, look at it. If it if it's a copied CD, of course it's a bootleg. So yeah, it's a- <laughs> yeah. PlayStation One games always black on the back. PlayStation Two games yep. always uh, purple if they're DVD or CDs, and uh, Compact, golden yeah. if they're DVDs. Uh, just things yep. like that. Um, let's see here. Got a couple more questions. Phil on Facebook says, with the news of Nintendo discontinuing the NES Classic Edition, would you maybe talk through how hard it would be for someone to set about making their own sort of MAME system or if it would be better to purchase a 
pre-made one on eBay. Pros and cons. No, no, no. Make it yourself. It's not that hard. Um, I will once I've got once I get around to it. I will actually do some articles uh, for the site of how to do this. But I wouldn't. I say don't don't. Did, well, it depends on how much it is. Cheapest, <laughs> cheapest, easiest yeah. Mame console uh, is a soft modded Xbox. Probably yeah. your best option, though. It takes a little more technical know-how, but it's a jack of all trades. Would be a RetroPie. Um, and yeah, yeah, uh, at some point, Jim or I will will delve into that wonderful world. Uh, you, you you can get someone else to do it, but I wouldn't say okay. It's a difficult area, but you're looking at sort of about fifty bucks, fifty pounds, probably is what you would be spending to do this yourself anyway. So mm-hmm. I guess it depends what you value for labor or something like that. But I wouldn't. I, I it is. I, I really stretched it. If if some if an idiot like me can do it, <laughs> then anybody can do it. Yeah, well, let's give you, let's <laughs> give price ranges. So a used Xbox is probably going to run you forty to sixty bucks. You're going to need to grab the things to soft mod it. Uh, I hope to have a tutorial up soon, but you can. There are ways to figure it out online, um, and uh, putting in an extra hard drive and stuff is going to take you a little bit of time. But you're gonna—that's yeah. about a hundred dollar project. I would say once all is said and done with controllers and everything, a retro pie is going to roughly be the same price. So uh, a good modern day Mame thing is going to cost you about that. And then of course you can just throw Mame on any computer. Mame will run on every computer on yeah. the market today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you just want something hard, fast, and and dirty, uh, that's a great way to do it. <laughs> Day, hard that. fast <laughs> and dirty uh like my men um anyway uh next up <laughs> teen nick asks what consoles are best to go digital game buys versus physical um in my opinion all modern consoles from the 360 on it's better to go digital than physical um yes yeah i agree yeah we you i'd be careful with just because i don't know how long that store is going to be there but there are some games you just have to go digital with like uh, uh fatal frame okay. five um, oh yeah and earthbound yeah and point. stuff like that um uh but uh beyond that um you know i i always liked digital more than physical these days i mean right now i'm currently trading in uh, a couple of physical discs to on the playstation sale that's going on to swap them over oh yeah the flash yep. yeah yeah if you're going retro that. i try to get digital retro anytime i can and if you need any proof of that look at the 24-hour live stream where i had this pristine really high price copy of strider 2 and I kept trying to get it to play on a PlayStation 2 and PlayStation 1 straight through without glitching. The thing looks like it has no scratches on it. And I was just having so much problems. It was probably the console, but fuck that. I paid $6 on PSN. <laughs> I got the game. It runs in HD. It's fine. Um, I would tell you for retro, if you can go digital, that's probably your best bet. Also, you'll have it forever. So. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, the number one places to go, as we've kind of already mentioned, is probably the PlayStation 3. If you've never grabbed a PlayStation 3 and made yourself a European and Japanese account, you owe it to yourself to do it, especially in Japan, where Highly recommended. the PC yeah. engine is on there, PC Engine CD, all the super graphics games are on there. Um, I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lots of stuff. And then on the PS4, all of Hamster's arcade stuff. Um, and last but not least, Strip Mahjong asks, any recommended third-party makers for eight 16-bit controllers that work with original hardware? Only ones I've found are the 8-bit does. I'd especially like to find huh. a Genesis 6-button pad recreation, especially especially if it's wireless or Bluetooth. 
Jam, do you delve Mine into was this? Mine Bluetooth. Stuff? Yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of do. Um, I, I did do for all. I did do. Um, I mean, but if if he's going for wireless, I'm not. I'll need to look that up actually. And I'll. I'll, 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 I'll actually, I did for you. Eight uh, bit dough is the only make, ones. Yeah. They're the the only ones these days. Yeah. And eight bit doughs make those like Super Nintendo and Nintendo four button controllers that are Bluetooth and have ports that you can plug them into a Nintendo, a Super Nintendo, and I think there's even a Sega Genesis Bluetooth dongle, and use them. Um, but a bit is really the only game in town right now. So there's a lot, there's a lot of like really cheap sort of bootleg, um, <laughs> sort of Genesis controllers on them eBay, if you can get from like China and stuff, which do work fine. I've brought many of them. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But... Believe it or not, the hyperkin stuff, all your Chinese knockoff stuff, it actually works pretty well. Yeah. And it's, it's particularly cheap, especially if you don't care how long it takes, you're buying them for like yeah. eight bucks a piece. Again, First party used, if you can confirm it works well, is always good. I say grab it from a retro store that has a good return policy where they're not going to return your money. They're going to give you a new controller because sometimes I'll have to go through three or four before I find one I like. I always like original hardware. Otherwise, yeah, yeah. yeah, you can do pretty safe with stuff that plugs in, but it's Chinese knockoffs. There's no real market for it. Now, on the other hand, if you're going to go to emulators on the PC and you're talking USB, um, outside of the eight bit does, the number one is probably the techno buffaloes. Have you seen those? They're yep, super yep. Nintendo candy button controllers. Mm-hmm. Um, those are good. Uh, and then, um, believe it or not, the best Genesis controller for emulators I've ever seen is those fighter, the street fighter pads for the Xbox 360. They're wired mm. controllers, but those are great Genesis pads. They are literally built like that and work great on emulators and steam games. Um, uh, so yeah, that would be my recommendation. Um, also don't discredit the dual shock three and four. Those are great for, Oh yeah. Yeah. For doing stuff. Uh, those are great. Uh, in fact, I play, you know, uh, a decent amount of PC engine stuff, but for stuff that you can actually plug into the console, there's not a whole lot right now. Unfortunately, uh, you just got to hunt down that, that first party stuff. So all right. Well, hopefully this kind of helps you guys out, helps you get started, helps you know where to hit the ground running. We will come back and do another series on this soon. Um, but uh, in the meantime, get your questions ready. Hit us up at contactagaminghistory101.com. Thanks for everybody who, who wrote in. Um, Jam, do you have anything else you'd like to say before we call this to a close? Yeah, I mean, well, we kind of already hinted this already, but I think the most primary thing of when you, if you're going out there at retro hunting, is that is, is have fun. You know, I've I've been doing this whole stick for a long long time myself and to be honest i have i think because we, we haven't really touched on this is that you are going to have more losses than you are going to have gains mm-hmm. and just kind of accept that really and it's fine it's fine i think you really got the way to just look at it is you know just enjoy yourself um and most importantly be patient <laughs> just be a little bit patient <laughs> yeah if yeah. you keep if you keep being persistent you will come across something i think it's quite hard these days because i think with the popularity of youtube and stuff a lot of people are kind of doing this sort of the hunting business but there is there is plenty of deals out there for everybody and just have fun be patient and you will find some gold and if, and if you do find it please share it with us on twitter because it's fun <laughs> so. also if you want to look at some retro stores um some of the biggest ones i like are uh lukey games l-u-k-i-e games they <laughs> are yeah they're pretty good as is goatstore.com those are the two places where they have them in different condition and change the prices based off of that they also have some pretty mm-hmm. fair prices uh retro game stops pretty good 
And then there are some other ones, but beyond that, um, you know, those are the first steps I go to. And again, it's just to see if they've got it and whatnot. Uh, Lukey Games, I was really happy because they had a $500 Jaguar CD, but then I decided I wasn't going to spend 500 bucks on a Jaguar CD. So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. not this time. <laughs> but anyway, um, all right. Well, so with that, we're going to call it to a close, but, uh, you know, come check us out, gaminghistory101.com. And um, stay tuned also this week. Yeah, I think I'm going to do the same jam. I found a way to capture rgb scart i have a capture card that does direct rgb scart and i can stream it while i'm playing in rgb so with that in mind i may play uh beyond oasis but it's going to be at random times so follow that twitch at ga twitch.tv forward slash gh101 and uh play along with me i've probably already started this by the time you're hearing it but anyway Mm -hmm. all right well with that until next week peace out